0: Hello creative people, welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend this hour with us. So I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empower people, especially adults, to own their voice that come in so many different forms. So this space was created to talk with people with all different jobs, hobbies, and interests and have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to talk to musicians, Reiki masters, mediums, doctor, lawyer, real estate agents, and so many more. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as their soul's essence, courage, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be. So sharing these stories expands one's thinking and opens up self-expression to feel more empowered, connected and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Teresa Jansen. Teresa empowers the weary, worried, and wounded to experience God's radical abundance in work, life, and relationships. She is a storyteller, writer, speaker, coach, and host of the Radical Abundance podcast. Teresa, welcome to the space.
1: Hey, are you there? Am I I here? you're here. <laughs> I think I think our tutorial was too long ago. I got here and I said, wait, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I
0: know. That's why I'm like, I leave the voice message, but the hands-on always works. And I'm just so glad you're here because you are in a whole other part of the world. And this is the amazing part of technology. So I'm so glad we could connect. It is. Yeah. yeah,
1: thanks. I'm so excited to be here. And I have no idea why my name is what it is. That's weird, too. But I'm you know, here. Whatever. <laughs> I may be having an identity crisis, but I'm here.
0: <laughs> when you sign on to Podbean, it gives you some random bunch of letters, unless you, I don't even know, you have to personalize it. But whatever, you are here. And <laughs> Teresa, you have such an incredible story. Could you please um, give people a little bit more information about yourself?
1: Oh, wow, Hollis, you know, my story is long because it I'm getting is. old. I don't know.
0: <laughs> but no, you're not. You're gaining more wisdom.
1: <laughs> there we go. I ha- Well, if that's how it's judged, I have plenty of that, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, yeah, I, d- I do live in South Sudan, which for those who don't know is located in East Africa, even though it's called South Sudan, it's in East Africa, uh, but I'm not from East East Africa originally. I've lived here about uh, six years now. Originally, I'm from Michigan in the United States, and uh, it was too cold there, so I decided to find somewhere warmer, and Africa fit that bill, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, so I, I I'm I'm what a lot of people traditionally call a, a missionary. That's kind of the old term that uh, people used to use. What I don't even know what a good new term is, but I'm a person who <laughs> is here trying to do what I can to help. And uh, I, But I lived in the United States a long time, had a career there that was really very satisfying and in, in nonprofit administration. And then, you know, we, can, we visited South Sudan one time in 2012, and it really just stole our heart. And they say that once you drink from the River Nile, you will never be satisfied with anything else. And and while I haven't literally drunk from the, the River Nile, there is something that happens when the African soil gets on your feet, it doesn't ever quite wash off. So that's where I live today. I work for a, a local organization here that's led by South Sudanese. I'm one of the, the few Westerners, I guess you could call it, uh, who worked here at the organization, just filling gaps, doing what I can. Um, to build the capacity of the people who are really invested in their country. So that's a little bit about me. I We do have a pack of kids in the United States. There's eight eight kids scattered around North America and 11 grandchildren. And they're fabulous. We, we're grateful that they live in, in beautiful places we can go and visit. I love that you said we have a pack of kids. <laughs> <laughs> scattered around. A pack, a herd, a, I don't know, a litter. I don't know what is, but there's eight of them. I'm so that's <laughs> more than a six pack. It's an eight pack. So
0: there we go. There we go. Even better. So yeah, this conversation yeah. is going to be really rich and um, really wonderful. And I look forward to diving mm-hmm. in and learning more about, but we are going to start with our would you rather question. So
1: okay.
0: here we go. So Teresa, would you rather be a superhero or a sidekick?
1: Oh my goodness! I have to say, I'm a total superhero. Uh, definitely. I when I was a little girl, I really wanted to be Wonder Woman. Not just because of the you know cool outfit and the you know metal bra and stuff like that, but you know she's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she
0: is. She is pretty badass. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I didn't know if you were going to add something else to that. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know what else there
1: is. And, you know, frankly, I am, you know, even though I'm, you know, believe in servant leadership and things like that. I also am such a little bit of a center stage kind of person. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can tell that or not, but Mm -hmm. I so I I really do appreciate people who are sidekicks. And I, they're so valuable because they're the ones who really make the superheroes look good. It's not even the superheroes, you know, but mm-hmm. I just am not very good at it. I have to be super intentional, but mm-hmm. it isn't. It's really good for me though when I do get to be the sidekick, because um, it's just such an area of growth for me. And I think it's, I think it's good for everyone to occasionally do something that's outside their comfort zone. But if I get to choose, let me be the superhero.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Such a great explanation. And it's true. It's 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 that um, that spotlight thing um, or or mm-hmm. wanting to just I don't know, for me, it's sometimes like I want I just want to do it and I want to be in the driver's seat and I want to. And at certain points, like I even I, you know, get it from my kids. They'll look at me and they're like, Mom, I'm like, sorry, <laughs> let me just step back. Yeah. I need to step back. I'm sorry. I didn't need right. to control this situation or. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, but you know what's funny is, you know, when we first moved here to Africa, we were kind of front and center of of the work that we do, and it was, um, you know, we were the ones who were in charge of everything, and then that whole system really kind of fell apart through something that that happened unexpectedly, and and, uh, we had to change our role. And so now Mm -hmm. that I serve this organization that I currently serve, you know, there's over 335 South Sudanese who are doing the work. And now I am a sidekick. I'm a back, of the backseat kind of person. I'm a backseat driver, though, too. So <laughs> that's just kind of my personality. But I, I fill the gaps to let other people do mm. what they need to do. And I build the capacity. And as, fast, as quickly as I can, I teach someone else to do what I do and hand it off and get out of the way you know? And so it's been really, really good for me. And I think, I think it's good for everyone to do that sometimes.
0: Yes. Yes. That is really a powerful thing that you just said, actually, um, to hand it off and get out of your own way and get out of the yeah. way and be a listener and see what is needed. Cause when you come into mm-hmm. a new country and if you're like, Oh, I have all these ideas and I'm going to do this and I'm gonna do that. They look at you and be like, um, who are you?
1: Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you find out why all the things that you thought were the greatest thing ever, why it doesn't necessarily work in a different context. And yeah, mm-hmm. I did that year one in South Sudan. I for sure had all sorts of ideas. And uh, fortunately, everyone has survived my being wrong. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> And I've learned a lot, you know. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh that's great I'm writing down that everyone has survived my being wrong (laughs) there we go I think that's your quote of the (laughs) day (laughs) that's that's your quote so far is that I pick a quote from everybody and that's That's yeah so far that's a really good one okay so we just started so okay so let's dive into the first official question which is Teresa how do you define creativity oh yeah
1: okay you know i've been thinking about this a lot and you know creativity to me is really part of who i am and actually in my opinion who we are as human beings and the reason why i do feel like it's not something i am not one who says you're either creative or you're not you're creative period end of end of statement because everyone has creativity woven in to who they are as a human being now you have to remember i'm a i'm a person of faith so i come at this from a faith perspective and this is foundational to my faith okay so so much so that you know and i'm a person of christian faith so the bible is my text and it begins with in the beginning god created first sentence in the book and you know the first sentence of, the, of any book. You know, I'm a writer too. The first sentence is the most important sentence in a book. You got a book, the reader. So in the beginning, God created. Then a little bit later, you know, when God makes man, he creates man in his image, which means that man was created to be creative. That's why creativity is absolutely foundational to my faith and foundational to my identity as a human being. And, I, and, and it's foundational to who I see other people being also. So when I look at another human being, I see someone who is created in the image of the God that I serve. And I see that person as being creative, even if they don't even know it yet. You know, some people don't know that they're creative, but they are.
0: Thank you. And yes, exactly. That is why I created this space. That is why I... That is why, so being an art teacher for 30 years carries, you know, the weight of, well, of course you're creative. You went to art school, you, you know, you (laughs) teach art, you do all this, you know, you fall under that category, of course. But what I had been saying for 30 years of teaching was it goes beyond drawing and painting, that it was really about getting people to connect with what, empowers them and what lights them up and how they express themselves. So within my space, if it was, you know, an art class and all this kind of thing, I was always trying to push people to think, to meet them where they're at and to connect with them with what their interests are. So for all the people that were like, I really don't want to be here. I just have to take this credit. I just, I'm like, okay, I get it, but you're here. (laughs) So what do you like? Like, do you like music? Do you like clothes? Do you like sports? Do you like shoes, sneakers? Do you like, like, what do you like? Mm -hmm. And let's explore from there. And then as soon as they would hear things like that, they'd get really excited and then open up more and have more conversations and be more expressive.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are so many other options, because if it was just about art, I am not a very artistic person at at all. Um, I've learned a little bit seventh grade art class. I don't know if I had another one or not. I never went out of my way to take Mm -hmm. an art class. Um, mm-hmm. I've done some of those painting parties, you know, uh, uh-huh. those, I really love those because you just follow instructions and, and you come out with something you're like, wow, you know, I would, I, I give them to my kids actually when you, you know, those painting party paintings, I give those paintings to my kids children who are now adults they have their own home and it's payback for all those many many pictures (laughs) i had to put on my refrigerator you know all those years now they have to put my stuff on their walls or find a place to put it it's great payback
0: Um, i love that it's payback
1: (laughs) yeah well none none of it has been uh, museum worthy that's for sure but you know it's not so bad I, I i think you know but what do i know because i'm i'm not an artistic person but i'm a creative person and i yeah. talked about i'm a writer um i'm a speaker and those things i mean i'm a host of a podcast you know and that's creative i mean even the the idea of creating this space that you've created about creativity the act of creating the space was a, a creative process and uh, and even people who do things that I don't think are interesting, but they think it's interesting, you know, that's incredibly creative. I imagine even um, people who like do bookkeeping CPAs, that's not my thing because it's highly, highly, highly detailed. And you have to make sure everything balances, but I've talked to some of them and they love that. And for them, it's super even creative to get all of those numbers doing the things that they're supposed to do. And I'm like, cool. I'm, exactly. I'm glad that, that, that
0: that's it for you. Exactly. And it's about when you were talking about my painting isn't that great. And for me, it's about the experience. So it's not about the end product mm. per se. It's about going through the experience and having fun with it, having not fun with it, whatever it is, like you're realizing, right? That. <laughs> you're connecting you're connecting, you're seeing contrast in, you know, skills, things that you want to learn, things that you really don't care about learning. It's just about being in that experience mm-hmm. and exactly what you said about, you know, people who work with numbers, people who are in sales, people who are in. It's a matter of mm-hmm. I just it's it's all a creative outlet because I define it as that because you're using these the skill set in order to create something that went from not existing to existing
1: exactly and that's what i love about the creative process is that literally you are creating something that was never existed before or you're maybe transforming something from one thing into another Uh, before i moved to africa i i was very involved in like arts and crafts and that type of stuff and i i love it i don't have a lot of time for it anymore i i do different things to express my creativity but um for years i it started in the seventh grade. They had a guy who came to our school and demonstrated how to spin wool into yarn. And I was captivated by this process. And he showed us how to make a spindle like the Native Americans used to use, which was really just a stick and a potato. So and just it was a stick with something to add weight. So I went home and stuck a stick through a potato and I didn't have any sheep, but I had this long haired cat and uh, so I I got, I pulled all the loose hair that I could out of the cat. I did not hurt the cat, okay? No animals were harmed in this project. But so I pulled all the hair I could out of this cat and I made about 12 inches of yarn from this cat hair. And I was hooked later in life when I, I had the um, wherewithal to buy like a spinning wheel. And then I actually bought sheep and I bought, um llamas and and angora rabbits and i had this little farm of all these woolly creatures and people asked me they they'd hear i have a farm they said what kind of farm do you have and i i said i have a sweater farm because i don't like make food or anything like that i just have uh, wool and i would spin wool into yarn but that was my passion was creating the yarn and the colors and the twist and all of these beautiful things but I wasn't the one to do anything with the yarn. You know, most people think of yarn as a um, an ingredient for uh, the creative process. But for me, the yarn was the creative product that I produced. And then someone else took what I created and created something else with it. And I just, I'm mm. blown away by that whole process. You know, mm. it knits us together, if you will. Ha ha, how's that? Ah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It's <laughs> like a quilt. <laughs> what what you what you just said which I really love is like it started from a seventh grade class where you were inspired and it was such simple Mm -hmm. material so here they were tying in you know cultural they were tying in history so you were learning more in that you know the context and then you were like wow well it's just like a potato and and the stick And, (laughs) and so I can do that And you got excited so it's those moments it's those sparks where it starts from that Mm -hmm. and then it just grows from there and it turns into this whole aspect of you having a farm and i just i really would love for yeah go ahead
1: it, it became a huge part of my life the funny thing is is once i actually learned about the art and craft of spinning i learned that actually spinning cat hair is one of the most difficult fibers to work with. Ooh. Now, if someone had told me up front that you can't do this because it's hard, you can't start here because it's hard and people don't start here, you know, maybe I never would have done it. And what uh-huh. a loss that that would be. Can we just eliminate the word can't from our vocabulary? And can we just try and see what happens? And, uh, and, and you have to lower the expectation bar a bit too, because the other thing that gets people caught off guard is they think that you have to be good at something right away, and mm. you don't have to be good at something right away. In fact, you're not probably going to be good at something right away. Even if you are a genius in that area, if you don't begin somewhere, you will never even know that you're a genius in that area until you begin and and grow and, and develop. That's part of the creative process is growing and developing.
0: Oh, my God. Do you hear that, everybody? Do you hear that? That is such gold right there. And I love that you said eliminate the can that you found out the whole thing with cat hair because it is so true because of what mm-hmm. we don't know, what we're naive about. We're like, oh, yeah, let me just work with what I have here. You went home and you're like, work with what I have. I have a long haired cat. Let's get some extra hair and work from right. that. And it's just what you did and you figured it out. And it's so true mm-hmm. because words are so key You are so right. If somebody said that's really hard to start with cat hair, then you would have been like, "Oh, I wouldn't start with
1: that." Right. And I don't have a sheep, so what
0: am I going to do? You know? Right. Right. You work with yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, let's dive in a little bit more about this journey. Um, There's just so many things from our pre-chat that we talked about that I just love. I'm picking, let's see, like cultural mindsets and perspectives, since you mm-hmm. are in a whole other country. Let's kind of dive into that a little bit more.
1: Yeah yeah, you know here in in South Sudan, people have their own idea of what is creativity. And I do really enjoy seeing what they do. And the th- the funny thing is is that some of the things that they do that's really creative in my opinion, they just see it as, well, this is normal. You know, these women weave these baskets. and and the, to that, to them, that's utilitarian. And to me, it's a beautiful craft, you know. But then there's other things that they do that just is an expression of their culture. They really like um, needlework here and embroidery. And that's something that, wow, that takes a lot of time. I'm a really, I I really like instant gratification. So even when I did start knitting and stuff like that, I used big chunky yarn because I want to produce something quickly. I'm not the person Mm. to use the teeny tiny um, stuff. And so they do this. um, hand embroidery and they'll embroider sheets you know for the bed and that's like a something that they use as a special gift uh, to someone that they're honoring or uh and it's a big wedding gift that a bride will give her husband is a sheet for the bed but she ties ties it around him like a like a toga I guess most Americans might know that and then uh that's part of the wedding dance but um yeah but the other thing that happens in a country like south sudan you know south sudan is one of the least developed countries in the world and it's gone through a lot of hardship lately and that and people end up in this survival mode and when you're in survival mode unfortunately one of the first things that that tends to go when when you have to eliminate things from your um, activities your daily activities tend to be those things that may be considered luxury, like your creativity, the things that you're creating. And what I've noticed is that it just, it can suck the joy out of life. And now you're going from uh, what was a beautiful, vibrant, joyous culture. And now we're faced with um, the hardships of uh, economic decline and, and even war and famine and, you know, floods and things like that and illnesses. And, and you don't think any longer about the creativity because you're in survival mode. And so to me, you know, then you have to to try and get in a mindset as quickly as possible because like I said, being creative is foundational to who we are as human beings. And we were not created to suffer. We were not created to survive. We were created for this radical abundance of life. And that's why I talk about radical abundance. That's what I've named my podcast is radical abundance. Abundance of what? And I'm not talking about money. In fact, I've never talked about money on my show yet. Maybe someday I will. But I'm talking about a radical abundance of life. That's what we are created for. And... Um, so we have to move from the survival that that happens because we we live in a broken world you know and so how can we mend that brokenness and you know what that even is part of the creative process and we yeah. have to encourage one another when we are in that downcast state you have to come alongside of another person who's just down and say okay how can we move forward from here and anytime you're asking the question how you're in creative mode because you're looking for solutions you looking for um, a path that leads to a different place yeah
0: yeah yeah because that's that's what as i was listening um
1: yeah go ahead yeah
0: no go ahead i'm sorry finish your finish your thought okay
1: yeah no Yeah, so I, I love to see that now the country is becoming more stable in some ways. There's still plenty of hardship. You know what? This whole world has plenty of hardship to go around. But I get so excited when I start to see events happening at the cultural center, poetry readings and music and dance and, um, and people selling you know, handicrafts on the side of the street and things like that, because you didn't see that just even a couple of years ago. And, and then the young people coming out with the songs, the drama, they really love any type of drama, singing, music, dancing, all of that. It goes all night. I have neighbors that I don't know, they must have a lot of family celebrations. And here, <laughs> your family celebrations are top volume, all night long, singing and dancing. And uh, it happens uh, most weekends and I hear it all night. <laughs> You're like, yay. Can you be quiet, please? Right. And well I'm waiting for my invitation, if I at least got an invitation to come over, but <laughs> you know, it would be something. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so much of what you said. Oh. So I really appreciate, well, let me go back to the first part where you said, um, uh, what you can what people consider utilitarian and what it's the different perspectives. Mm. So I think that's yeah. so important to point out because it's so true it's it's like the woven basket it's it's just what's done because it carries things but there's such a um a craft and a beauty in these these constructed mm-hmm. objects because they stand alone. Like you can look at that and be like right. wow look at the colors look at the textures look at All of that Mm -hmm. that went into making it. Look at the time. Like she didn't go to Target to buy it. She actually made it. She created it or he created it with her own hands. And there's something to be said for the hands-on process. But within certain, within spaces, Mm -hmm. it's like, what's the big deal? We do this all the time. It's, we don't have Target nearby. We don't have like this kind of thing nearby. And it's just, it's it's what you do.
1: Yeah, and there's no Hobby Lobby to even go out and buy like the reeds already done. So if they're going to weave a basket out of grass, you know where they get the grass? You know, outside where the grass actually grows. They don't go to the craft supply store. And <laughs> the, so they're starting from the natural product. And, you know, a lot of the things that they make too are repurposed items. And so they'll take apart um like even plastic bags and I don't even know what they make some things out of. So if, if your project that you're making needs a cord, first you make the cord from whatever it could be from shopping bags or something like that. And they make the cord and then they make the item that they're making.
0: So again, okay, it's the so problem it's solving. Really
1: Cause there is no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and to them, they just see it as as a normal thing they do. But I think they're starting to, the young people especially are starting to see, this is part of our culture. And um, of course, creativity art oftentimes is um, an expression of a culture. And uh, but I like to see it even as an expression of individual human beings. um, And then how that comes together collectively as a culture. Where's the meaning individually and then, where's the meaning collectively?
0: Mm-hmm. Because it brings different layers to it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Which I love what you said about the needlepoint and the tradition with like with mm-hmm. a wedding. And there's such there's such beauty in those moments where it's this handmade thing that takes time. It takes our time. It's not going and buying a gift card. And it's it's things mm-hmm. of this is my time. This is my love that I am putting into this space. And I actually wanted to ask like when they're creating that embroidery sheets, is that an individual thing or is that a community or a family thing that participates in that?
1: Yeah, so it's actually, so much embroidery happens for a wedding, and it is definitely a big family community, all the friends involved, because the bride will make one for the groom, and I'm not sure how many people are actually involved in the, the making of that big one, but then also the bridesmaids each make one for the groomsmen, and that's part of the wedding dance too, so when the bride gives hers to her husband and ties it on, then the bridesmaids all tie the little toga around the groomsmen, and then they all dance. And then the the other thing that happens is the guests at the wedding oftentimes will receive like a little handkerchief-sized one that has embroidery in the corner, like a little flower. I'm not talking like monogram, something simple. I'm talking like a flower that's a lot of color and and detail in the corner of that um, handkerchief-sized. I don't. I don't, I don't know if they use them for napkins or for, I think it's more um, like here, they like to put those on the furniture, like on the mm-hmm. arms of the furniture or the back of the furniture, like my grandmother used to do, but they, they like to decorate the homes with it. And I, mm-hmm. I have a few of them from weddings that I've attended, but I, they're, to me, they're such treasures because I know someone sat and made it. And I see women who are just sitting around and they're working on it for hours and hours. And they're investing that into the celebration of their wedding. And the, the ones I have are very special to me because they came from when I joined in that celebration for someone else. And uh, it's, it's very fun.
0: I love that word celebration, which ties mm-hmm. into you talking about radical abundance, because when you said mm-hmm. it's life, it's it's how we show up in life and celebrations for me, I'm really starting to become more cognizant and aware of the moments. It's, you know, not to sound too cheesy, everybody, but it really is in those moments of, of, you know, when you just are hanging out with a friend or a family member or your loved one and you're just talking or not talking, but you're actually in that moment together or you're laughing or um, whatever the circumstance is, it's really being aware of those moments
1: yeah yeah and i think where we connect with each other as human beings and i know that's been hard for people lately one of one of my friends on social media recently asked you know what's where's your happy place where's your favorite place to be and the i have a lot of happy places but the first thing that popped into my mind was right on the end of my mother's couch cup of tea in hand that's my happy place you know and and we don't have to do anything We just are are there together just to be in one another's company and I I do like it when uh, like that picture of women who are sitting together and embroidering or what doing beadwork beadwork here is a major thing also that's some of the people groups um, beads are their their big big thing and. um, they just sit around and do bead stuff. And it's, it's amazing to do when you're creating together in a group. Now I do a lot of writing, so writing is oftentimes very solitary. That's a totally different experience, but mm. it also is very personal to me, and even very spiritual to me when I'm writing. Mm.
0: So let me get back to, we're gonna dive into more about um, how you incorporate creativity in, but I'm curious that when people are in this communal space, of creating? Is there food involved? Is there a lot of conversation involved, music involved, or, you know, I'm sure it varies, but I'm just, I'm curious.
1: Yeah, you know, food is something um, that's oftentimes involved here in South Sudan, but it's it's not even very possible for a Westerner to understand how it goes. Um, hospitality is very, very important here. And so that cup of tea and offering what you have to whoever when they, they come to your home is very important. And um, I learned even when I first moved to South Sudan, talking about those first cultural mistakes you make, You know, I remember one time we received some guests, they came and we were standing together And while we were standing, my husband says, uh, would you like something to drink? Well, everyone was looking at each other and I'm like, okay, we've done something wrong, but we don't know what we've done wrong. (laughs) And that we know that look a lot. (laughs) So I had to later ask, okay, what, what did we do wrong? And so there were a few, several things actually in that simple statement. One was you don't. Um, you don't ever ask someone if they would like something to drink. It's assumed that they need something to drink. Um, And then the number two is you don't do it while they're standing ever. You have to first, you get your guests settled somewhere. There you have to, they're seated. And then you bring something to drink tea or the very minimum water, something. Um, But you don't ask, you offer. You don't, and you don't offer with a question. You almost insist. Here, drink this. <laughs> you know, you tell them.
0: <laughs> and, uh, there's and no choice in the, the matter.
1: You. No, mm-hmm. there's no choice. Well, that's a funny thing because it's a language thing. When I first moved here. Everyone was always telling me what to do all the time. and I was so <laughs> from my perspective it was just annoying. Then I learned about the language. And again, as a person who really, I words are important to me. and that's my number one create creative thing today is is the craft of words. And um, but everyone's always saying, do this, move here, sit there, eat this, you know, all the time. And then I learned that in many of the local languages here in South Sudan, and there's like 60 different local languages in South Sudan, but many of them, all of their verbs are in the imperative there and there's not and many of them don't have a word for please. Um, That's, that's something other than begging, you know, so there's no, please have a seat, you know, it's sit. Um, and it's not would you like to sit, it's sit, you know? <laughs> and it's not would you like to eat, it's eat, you know? And so because that's how their language worked, you know, and they, and they, you know, went to, that's how the English here has developed. And English is the national language, so no one can say that it's the wrong way, it's their language, you know? But their language has developed differently that can uh, that look a little odd for someone from someone coming from the outside. So one of my I had a I made a list of uh, ten lessons I learned in my first year in South Sudan. And right at the top of that list was when you're offended, assume you've misunderstood. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> because all the time i could spend my whole time being offended because people are always bossing me around so i actually started i started practicing saying no because it's totally fine to say no when they tell you to do something you can decline that's totally fine and acceptable they can say to eat and you get no thank you i'm no i'm not hungry you know or i ate before i came that's culturally acceptable so one time Uh, uh i was in a restaurant in town and when i say town i don't mean a town like in in the united states i mean dirt roads this restaurant was a tin structure with a dirt floor and like wire mesh windows so no glass window okay but i'm in this restaurant and i'm sitting near the window this wire mesh window and a storm be- is coming, and you can kind of see the clouds forming and the rain is happening in the in the distance. And the the ser- server, the waitress, comes to me and she says, "Move here," and she points to an area further away from the window. She tells me to move, but I'm practicing saying no.
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Wrong time to say no. Exactly. Yes. You already know
1: how <laughs> to. So I said, "No, thank you. I'm fine here." And I stayed where I was, and then yes, that storm came, and start, and I had to after I the, hit by the first few raindrops. All right, and I moved my chair exactly where she had <laughs> told me to sit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's
0: hysterical, but it's like yeah. I am going to practice. I'm going to stand in my feet flat on the ground and say
1: no. Okay, right. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I tell you, learn, living cross-culturally is so good for a person because you learn a lot of humility. You learn to laugh at yourself. Don't take things so seriously and, uh, and just enjoy something different, you know? So I, I hope everyone has the opportunity Um, to live cross-culturally or, you know, in in most places you can seek out a cross-cultural experience without ever, you know, leaving town. So do it. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So important. God, there's so Mm -hmm. much, I I guess I have to ask this before we move on. And I want to learn more about how you incorporate more creativity into your own life. But I guess I just wanted to ask about, like when you said, there's no word, there's no word for please. Mm. So in it, so how did I want to say that? So I wrote down intention and then a question mark. Um, is it, so when somebody's saying something um Forget it. I knew it and then it went out of my head. <laughs> you, yeah, it's,
1: it's I, a really funny thing to even ask for something or to, or anything. It tends to be a little bit of a, a round-the-block kind of a communication. You you just, you know, I, so, like, some things, like, if it's pass the salt, you'd say pass the salt instead of please pass the salt, you know, at the mm-hmm. table. But if you're mm-hmm. making a request, like um, – I don't even know, like, to dinner, dinner on Saturday, again, with uh, maybe why I'm, I'm inviting you, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen you and your husband and, you know, we have, I don't know, you just begin this whole process and, then, and it eventually comes yeah. around to coming to dinner on Saturday, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you for kind of understanding me and my lack of words. So, okay. So let's hear more about you and how you incorporate creativity. And I know that writing is one of your huge things, but um, yeah, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to share with us in that aspect would be
1: great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have been a writer for a lot of years, but I started out as what I uh, to call a technical writer uh, because I worked in nonprofit administration when I lived in, in the United States so I would write um, you know like fundraising letters I would write you know news stories sharing what the you know organization had done and things like that and um, that type of writing oftentimes I was writing for other people I would write a letter but it wasn't my name at the bottom of the letter it was someone else's like presidents or whatever name it and so you um, but when I moved to South Sudan, my writing shifted to what I call narrative nonfiction. And so I started writing from a place of um, telling the story of what I'm experiencing in South Sudan. But a lot of it was for myself. In fact, the very first story that I wrote it was a really hard story. It, it happened when i was visiting someone who had one of the things that i did when i lived in the village i now live in the the capital city but when i lived in the village when a woman had a baby i would take a, a gift to the home a little hat that i knit myself and and then of some soap and washcloth, practical little things and um i heard one of my friends her daughter-in-law was expecting and i knew the baby was coming soon i actually had heard that the baby had arrived and and she lived at the hospital compound, which is actually where I had to go to check my email. It was the only place with <clears throat> Wi Fi anywhere. So I went to the hospital compound and uh, was checking my Wi Fi, but I forgot to bring the gift. And so I told my friend Rhoda, I said, Oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot the gift, but I'll come back later this afternoon and I will bring it for the baby. And while I was checking my email, screamed, You're kind of going in and um, out outside and i knew instantly what had happened i jumped out of my seat the chair and I ran across wait wait
0: teresa hold hold on on. you're you're going in and out teresa hold hold
1: on teresa was teresa can you hear me a difficult thing and it was you know hours she turned and, and she actually placed this baby in my hands and no, nothing that can describe that but when i finally i packed up hours later and went home that what i had experienced sure. I just up on my my lap i couldn't see anything cuz i'm crying i just started the story and, and that was really kind of my first experience sharing a hard story In writing. Now, that particular story has never been published. It's too hard of a story. It was something that I used to process my grief uh, at the time. And sometimes creativity does not have to ever become public. You know, it can always be something that's personal. And there's always. There was in my heart. I started studying and learning the craft of sharing a hard story that has benefit for others. And so since that time, last year, I contributed to a a few different pieces um, of collections, collaborative works, where I share a story from my life, something that was transformational. And, you know, it's never, when you look at your life, it's never those really great times, those times when you come first place when you do really wonderful, when people stand and cheer you, those tend to not be the transformational times in your life, right? It's usually when you're in the gutter and you feel lousy and things are horrible and there's no hope. But when that hope comes and you find the life that that comes after that really terrible experience that you go through, then for me, I've learned then to write about it can help someone who's still in that stage of wondering if there's any hope. And so that when someone can read my story and say, wow, she survived, she grew, she, whatever, you know, whatever the result was, maybe there's hope for me. And, um, so that's, that's the, the idea behind a narrative nonfiction. It's different than, you know, your traditional self-help type of nonfiction because I, Right from a place of experience, sharing my personal story, but not in a way that it's all about me. This isn't this isn't the time for the superhero. This is right. the time for the humble walking this path.
0: So wait, Teresa, you know? Teresa, Teresa, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. You're going in. You're going in and out.
1: Oh, so, wow. Uh, Sorry.
0: Uh, yeah, I've been trying to say. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been, I, I hear most of what you're saying, but when you were telling that amazing story about going to the hospital and the baby, like I, you were, you cut out. So. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's what, so give me, so let me just say, so did she, did she lose the baby? Is that what happened? She did. the ba-
1: Yeah. So, so when I, I came in the room, the baby had died. And so she, and she turned and she put that baby in my hands and that was, it was, you know, for me, it was such an emotional moment, but it was also a sign that the community had completely accepted me Mm. as one of their own, because you don't place your grandchild in a stranger's hand, you know? So, um it was this really difficult thing and so the way I processed that though was through my writing so did you hear that part
0: I heard you say that yeah 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 Um, yeah
1: so that's what had happened and that's how I processed the grief and that story has not been told um it has not been published it's a very hard story and I don't know that it ever will be published because it was more for me than anyone but other stories that I've learned to tell that are also hard and humbling, you know, but can also bring hope to someone though, who's going through that hard and humbling time and they haven't come through it because I'm on the other side of it now. Right. And so I can represent hope. So I don't know how much of that you heard. And yeah. sorry for the Wi-Fi. It's, Welcome to Africa. You know, this is
0: how it is. The fact that it's happening is just amazing. Like I said in the beginning. So um, yeah, yeah,
1: I hope it wasn't too disruptful. I'm so sorry. It's
0: okay. (laughs) It's okay. And I'm grateful to those listening here live. I want to acknowledge you. Um, Thank you so much for being here. And any questions or comments, please feel free to put them in the chat box where we Mm. can see them. Um, So, so much of you said, I I love that aspect about writing. It's so true um, that it is, it's cathartic and especially pointing out the part that not everything in a creative process needs to be public. Um, Yeah. We do things for ourselves in order to express ourselves, to release, to grow, to expand. And it doesn't have to be for any other eyes. Or like you said, when you feel like it could be of help To someone else, or you want to release it and have others see it, but it's not about being the superhero and saying, look at me. It's about, look, it's it's just about, okay, I release it and I want to make this public. I want it to be seen, but I don't care what other people think. I don't care. It's not for those purposes. It's just literally releasing it to the universe in a bigger way.
1: Right. Yep. That also has value for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So tell us about, so writing is a big thing. Is there anything Mm -hmm. else that you want to talk about in ways? I mean, obviously in ways that you bring your services to what you do is an incredibly creative Mm -hmm. process, but I'd love to hear it from your, and photography. I think photography is something for you too as well.
1: Yeah. So funny thing about photography is, um, yeah, I was, when one of those times in life where I was going through something really difficult and, uh, and a kind of a recovery type of journey out of, out of a pit, you know, uh, I was encouraged to take up some type of activity and they, they had said like painting or drawing, well, we've already covered the fact that that's not my thing maybe it could be if i worked at it but honestly i have just never really worked at it enough so i decided well i can't um i can't draw a beautiful painting but maybe i can take a picture of beautiful things and so that's when i started photography and uh, really enjoyed it quite a lot and then actually i i learned to take my photography a a step further because wow what an amazing world we live in today where you can um not just snap a picture like back in the day when i did you know and they have the film developed and there ta-da you get what you get you know right right have all these wonderful digital tools and so when i actually studied for my master's degree i chose to. Uh, It's my master's is is in uh, instructional design and technology. And one of the reasons I chose that one is because they taught us all of the Adobe products. And so I learned Photoshop. Um, I boy, I cried the first time I took Photoshop. I actually took it twice to learn to really learn. Oh, my God. Um, It
0: stresses me out. Yeah. Oh,
1: my word. It was hard. (laughs) But once I got it, then I had so much fun taking a photo that I I could take a pretty nice photo, but then to take it and turn it into something else, that was a lot of fun and combine things and layers and and to create a message, to send a message that's just visual. I think that's incredible. And um, there are people who are far more gifted at it than I am. I would definitely call myself a hobbyist in that area, but I do really appreciate it when people really do a nice, a job with those those visual arts and visual arts aren't my my big thing I do really appreciate it I love music but you don't want to hear me sing. that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine I actually, yeah well I love I yeah I don't know I I did one of those DNA tests one time and you know there's actually a gene and in my gene it says uh more likely than average to be tone deaf and I feel well, <laughs> that explains a lot. Are you serious? So, seriously, I'm totally serious, Hollis. I would not choke about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's so more weird. likely than average to be tone deaf. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, uh...
0: that's, that's hysterical that it can actually, I never heard that it can actually go yeah. down to your DNA in that case. It, but it yep, it's but there. Say, <laughs> it, but, but saying that it's, and I've said this on multiple podcasts, but, you know, my daughter and I just it's our thing where we just she acts like she puts her hand out like I'm singing into a microphone and when we're Mm driving when I'm driving we just turn up the music and just sing and we suck and it's just (laughs) it's just fun we're just Mm -hmm. yeah yeah she takes my hand like I'm like babe I'm driving and she'll take my hand and she'll sing into it and and uh Yeah, it's just it's for the purposes of fun and to entertain anybody that might be at the light next to us because we're dancing, too. So
1: there you go. So my daughter and I, we have a tradition where if you say if you happen to say a phrase that comes from a song, then you, you start instantly singing that song. And my children all learned long ago not to when we go order ice cream at the ice cream shop, they have the flavor called Blue Moon. And oh, that no. will, I will sing. I guarantee it. Nobody orders blue moon ice cream anymore. That's, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I don't know if your listeners are old enough to even know this, that song, but
0: <laughs> yes, oh, yes, boy. yes. Multi ages, but it's, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just, it just makes you smile. And I have to acknowledge the the photography aspect of things. I think Mm. photography is so important. I've, it's, it's just our eyes are lenses literally. Mm -hmm. And it's, we don't know, we could, we could all be looking in the same direction, but be taking a picture of a different thing. And whether we're looking close up or zooming out to get more of a picture of everything that's around or, whatever it is, it's just photography is always amazing to me because of that aspect of what people Mm -hmm. see.
1: You know how, how relevant photography is to our life is absolutely everybody has a pretty awesome, you know, camera right in their pocket nowadays, you know, and whoever would have thought to combine a telephone and a camera together. And that tells you how much we really appreciate those visual arts. And everyone has the opportunity now to do something. And you have a ton of editing tools right at, right at your fingertips. It's, it's true. It's right there. Yeah. And oh then, God. of course, social media. My goodness, you know, except Instagram doesn't like me because they are prejudiced against people in Africa. At least me. They keep shutting me down so I can't even enjoy it. Really? uh, So, yeah, really, they've shut me down four times, thinking that someone in Africa is hacking my account, and I keep trying to contact them and tell them it's not someone in Africa; it's me in Africa, (laughs) you know. But uh, yeah, so I, I had I've chosen Pinterest as my new, brand new baby Pinterest page. It's um very infantile, but. I'm trying to do something visual because I do appreciate those visual arts and I really do miss Instagram, but all right. I had to bless and release them to go their own way because they, they don't want to be in relationship with me and I'm not about to force them. <laughs> so well, Pinterest,
0: is, Pinterest is huge too. Um, it it is, really is. Yeah. But before we get yeah. to that, I want to tie this up because we're almost at the top of the hour. So I want to mm. get this third question in, which is, a little repetitive, but reinforcing. Why do you think creativity is important?
1: Yeah, I have to go right back to that foundational thing that I talked about. Of course, you know, from my perspective is I believe that it's part of who we are meant to be and we are all designed as human beings to express ourselves and to be creative. We were created to be creative. And um, I think that it is so healing as part of our journey, as part of our development, as part of learning. It's absolutely foundational to the human experience in, in my opinion, um, because you learn so much even from trying to create and failing, you learn or in your eyes maybe failing, but maybe you try to create something and it turns into something else or, it's, or it turns into a learning experience. Those things happen too. And, um and all the variety of creating. And I think that then we can begin to experience to appreciate the variety of humanity. you know, we tend to look at at um, humans quite externally, really, and judge people based on their appearance and, and from the outside. But when you are looking at the creation that a human being has created, and you maybe don't see that person, then you can actually begin to experience what's inside of that person from based on what they've created. And it it takes time to actually experience something uh, fully. And it takes time to experience another human being fully. And uh, we tend to be real quick to judge, real quick to think we know something. I think we need to slow down and just experience each other and experience life a
0: little bit more. Oh, my gosh. There was so much power in in so much of what you just said. The uh-huh. variety of humanity, we're moving too fast, basically, In experience, uh, when people are creating, it's seeing them from the inside, not the outside. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And really slowing down to experience seeing them, mm-hmm. to seeing that there is so much power in that we got to stop moving so fast and we got to take in those yeah. moments and taking the moments.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Teresa, can you please tell people how they can find you?
1: Yeah. So you can find me, my website has links to everything. So it's Teresa but I spell my Jansen with a Z or we say Z here. So T E R E S A J A N Z E com. And then look for the Radical Abundance podcast on YouTube and on just about all the other podcasting things you can, if you search either my name or Radical Abundance, I hope you find it. If not, go to my Mm -hmm. website and tell me you couldn't find it. But uh, yeah, it should be out there. Mm. Gosh,
0: Teresa, I really thank you so much for hanging out with me for this hour. I really, really enjoyed learning from you and chatting with you.
1: Hollis, I had such a great time. Thank you so much for inviting me and putting up with my African Wi-Fi and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's good. It's good. It's like there's just there's beauty in all of it. So um,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, I just want to thank you, and I want to thank the listeners, those here with us live, those catching the replay. Thank you so much for taking this hour to listen. Um, I know you could be doing lots of things with your life, and uh, really happy that you chose to spend it with us. The space is all about inspiring each other, sharing stories and connecting. So please like, follow, share uh, so we can lift each other up. I believe we've always needed this, but we need it now more than ever um, to just spread the goodness. So there we go. So I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you are in this world and look forward to talking again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Feeling inspired there are so many ways to do things for you to get yourself moving to get your creative juices flowing and to have fun check out I am creative and express yourself publishing go to I am creative Philly.com I am creative Philly p-h-i-l-l-y.com and check out the experiential kits check out creative shui which is all about creative inspiration and guidance. And for Express Yourself Publishing, there's so many multi-author book opportunities. So I would love to chat with you so much. Everybody has, everybody's creative. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has an expression. And I can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for taking this hour to listen to our stories and share the energy. And I wish you a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in this world. Bye, everybody.